Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Sergei Viktorovich Lavrov has served as Russia's foreign minister since 2004, and for much of that time he has been regarded as the most skilled and respected diplomat in the world. For example, on a very relatable level, I would bet my life savings that Lavrov has yet to meet a counterpart from the US, UK or any other English-speaking country who speaks Russian as fluently as he speaks English. In fact, I was so impressed with his urbane style, English fluency and worldly knowledge that I likened President Vladimir Putin appointing Lavrov to represent his increasingly brutal and autocratic regime to putting lipstick on a pig. Sure enough, I'm obliged to muddy that analogy to make my prevailing point. George Bernard Shaw famously said that he learnt never to wrestle with a pig because you get dirty and the pig likes it. <laughs> well, Lavrov has been wrestling with a pig in the Kremlin since day one on Tsar Putin's diplomatic service. And to indicate just how dirty he has gotten, I need only cite five of the many blog posts I've written in this regard. 1. Putinization. Putin reforming Russia in his own image. On March 25, 2005. 2. Cold War Redux. Friendship over between Russia and America. On May 5, 2006. 3. Russia invades Georgia under cover of Beijing Olympics on August 8, 2008. 4. International court declares Putin a liar and a thief, but he's a murderer too. On July 29, 2014. And 5. Putin blames America for Russia's aggression on December 19, 2014. I share those for context and perspective, because those titles alone make clear that I presaged all the genocidal killing Putin now has his willing executioners doing in Ukraine, and all the Orwellian explaining he has his foreign minister doing around the world. But they also make clear why it is so remarkable that, despite all the wrestling in mud he was doing back home, Lavrov always looked so debonair and composed on the world stage. He demonstrated this latter point rather famously during his first meeting with Hillary Clinton as President Barack Obama's Secretary of State. They were holding a joint press conference in Geneva, Switzerland in March 2009, and Hillary was eager to publicize Obama's misguided interest 
in having the kind of relationship with Putin that Ronald Reagan had with Mikhail Gorbachev. So she made a big show of presenting Lavrov with a red button that had what she thought were the words Reset Button inscribed in Cyrillic. This button clearly symbolized Obama's hope for an improved relationship with Putin, but it also conveyed a surprisingly unpatriotic diss at the relationship his predecessor, George W. Bush, had with him. Recall that, at the beginning of their relationship, Bush infamously raved about looking into Putin's eyes and seeing the soul of a Jeffersonian Democrat. <laughs> of course, he also infamously warned about looking at satellite images of Iraq and seeing WMDs. Indeed, their relationship ended, with Putin feeling like a soulmate scorned, because Bush spent more time during his second term waging war than wooing him. <laughs> the point is that it took all of Lavrov's diplomatic skills and charm to point out to Hillary that, instead of reset button, her red button had the word overcharge inscribed in Cyrillic. He not only reassured a red-faced Hillary by saying he would accept her red button in the spirit intended, but conveyed Putin's brooding disaffection with U.S. presidents by saying he would display it on his desk as a constant reminder. His deft handling of Hillary, who was far more famous and powerful, showed why Lavrov was the revered and respected dean of the diplomatic corps. But then came Russia's genocidal invasion of Ukraine last year, which triggered his fall from grace. For starters, it was plain for the whole world to see the parallels between the invasion Putin launched in Ukraine in 2022 and the one Hitler launched in Poland in 1939. This is why Biden's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, had cause to be as wary of Lavrov as Hillary was solicitors of him. In fact, Blinken would have been forgiven for thinking of Putin's Lavrov the way anyone in his position, in hindsight, would have thought of Hitler's Ribbentrop, his Minister of Foreign Affairs. Except that, given the antic strain of diplomacy Lavrov has displayed since Russia invaded Ukraine, comparing him to Ribbentrop flatters Lavrov too much, because he has been coming across more like Hitler's Goebbels, his Minister of Propaganda. And yes, I fully appreciate that some of you might find the Nazi comparisons too incendiary. I respectfully submit, however, that I have factual justification for comparing Putin and his ministers with Hitler and his. By contrast, Lavrov has no justification whatsoever 
for comparing Ukraine's Jewish President Volodymyr Zelensky and his ministers with the same. Yet Lavrov has been making this comparison from day one, without any hint of irony or guilt. Even so, Lavrov could not fail to see that, far from making a credible case for Russia's genocidal invasion, his dystopian spin was only causing irreparable harm to his once stellar reputation. Nothing could have been more glaring in this respect than having 100 members of the International Diplomatic Corps walk out when he began delivering his speech at a 49th session of the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva, Switzerland, on March 1 of last year. Just one week before, such a showing of disrespect would have been unthinkable. And Lavrov probably thought he could face no greater shame than that. Yet, almost a year to the day after that humiliation, on March 3 of this year, delegates at a G20 summit in India erupted in mocking laughter to his face when Lavrov claimed, with Orwellian conviction, that Russia is just trying to stop Ukraine from continuing its genocidal invasion of Russia. <laughs> that suggested to me that Lavrov had turned himself into such a delusional laughingstock that comparing him even to Goebbels flattered him too much, because Lavrov had so debased himself on the world stage that a far more apt comparison would be to Baghdad Bob. The way he was effectively laughed off that stage in India made clear that everyone outside Russia was beginning to consider Putin and him even less honourable and credible than Saddam Hussein and his infamous sidekick, Baghdad Bob. I mean, imagine Lavrov returning to restaurants in cities like New York, London and Paris, where he used to be treated like a grand poobah, only to be treated now like a skunk. <laughs> the prospect of being held in such contempt for the rest of his life had to be getting under the skin of this once proud and affable man. In fact, only that explains why Lavrov lost his composure when he arrived for a reception with delegates who had just laughed at him to his face at that G20 summit I just mentioned. Specifically, when an event staffer attempted to show Lavrov how to enter the reception, he snapped. I know the way, don't show me. <laughs> and his resentful nerves were such that reporters roped off ten yards away could hear him growl. But at least Lavrov can still travel the world, <laughs> for now, without fear of being arrested, because Putin can no longer do so. This, 
after the International Criminal Court in The Hague issued a warrant for his arrest for alleged war crimes committed in Ukraine. Mind you, given how Lavrov has aided and abetted Putin, it might be only a matter of time before the ICC issues a warrant for his arrest, too. In fact, Lavrov would do well to look at how many fellow Slavic politicians from Serbia ended up in The Hague. This for aiding and abetting the genocidal war crimes Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic committed in Bosnia in 1992. Of course, Milosevic ended up dying in The Hague during his trial for those war crimes. This is why, <laughs> to avoid a similar fate, Putin will be keen to limit his travel to countries like China that he knows would never execute that red notice arrest warrant. But while Putin's fate is sealed, Lavrov still has a chance for redemption. In The Plot to Kill Vladimir Putin on February 19, 2022, I implored members of his inner circle to do to him what the members of Hitler's inner circle attempted to do to him in Operation Valkyrie. Because Putin is now a thoroughly humiliated megalomaniac with the power to destroy the world. And the only way to deal with him is to kill him. As it happens, the following headline in the current edition of The Economist offers hope in this regard. Namely, Russia's elite begins to ponder a Putinless future. Once unthinkable, the president's removal can at least be contemplated. <laughs> End quote. So, here's to the Russian Klaus von Stauffenberg, whoever he may be. But may he be more successful than Klaus. That's it. Subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for thought-provoking commentaries, often laced with humor, I invite you to visit my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening, and until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.